Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to yet again another episode here on the Cover 7 podcast. I'm sorry, guys, if I sound a little bit sick in this episode, just dealing with some allergy stuff, so ignore kind of the froggy sounding voice, but, um... Anyways, y'all, in today's episode, we're going to be recapping all of our NFL action from this past weekend of Week 14, and, well, it was definitely an interesting slate of games, to say the least. We kicked it off in L.A. on Thursday Night Football with the Raiders and the Rams. We uh, wrapped it all up on Monday night in Glendale with the Cardinals and uh, Patriots, but there were so many other games we got to talk about, so I do not want to waste y'all's time or waste my time either, but guys, please make sure that you do like, comment, share, rate, do whatever you can just to make sure we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast to everybody, and that includes all your family members, friends, whoever, make sure they also are able to listen to it as well, and you know, if you are listening to the episode right now, make sure you sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, coffee if you're heading to work. Let's talk some NFL football. So to kick it all off here in week 14, like we talked about just a second ago, we're going to go out to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles as we had Devontae Adams and the current surging Las Vegas Raiders taking on the L.A. Rams, who have just been a complete disappointment this year. You know, back in February, won the Super Bowl and, you know, made a couple moves in the offseason, went out and got Allen Robinson, you know, also went out and got Bobby Wagner, who had just gotten released from his longtime team with the Seahawks. But he also lost Vaughn Miller and Andrew Whitworth, which were two really big keystone pieces on the offensive and defensive side of the football. And we've seen it so far, you know, this year, how it's affected them. The offensive line has been horrendous. And they continue to show that a lot in this game, whether it was holding penalties, you know, false start penalties, just overall, the Rams' offensive line was horrible. And, you know, to make matters worse, they didn't. They don't have Cooper Cup for the rest of the year. They don't have Matthew Stafford for the rest of the year. They don't have Allen Robinson for the rest of the year. So, that, you know, they're literally running on practice squad guys. And, well, the Rams, they went out and got themselves a new quarterback. They picked up Baker Mayfield off of waivers earlier this week after the uh, Panthers had released him. And, you know, with only about 40 hours of experience, knowing the playbook, getting accustomed to the team, building relationships and everything like that, he would immediately have to jump in and be the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, in his first game with the horns on the side of his helmet, he would lead the Rams on a game-winning touchdown drive where he would connect with Van Jefferson in the corner of the end zone. And I would say Baker Mayfield looked pretty darn good for only having 40 hours of experience with his new team. As, as in this game against the Las Vegas Raiders, he would go 22 or 35, through 230 yards passing with one touchdown being... Obviously, the game-winning touchdown to Van Jefferson and zero interceptions. And he did all of this while being constantly under pressure the entire game. He would get sacked four times as well. So a ton of credit to Baker Mayfield for coming out there, despite everybody saying, you know, he's going to be a career backup from now on. He's not going to be a starter in the NFL. He balled out in this game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And, I mean, just... You know, for the for the majority of the game, yes, he wasn't putting up anything crazy, but all that mattered was when they needed him the most on that final offensive drive. He went all the way down the field, connected with Ben, uh, Ben uh, Skoranek. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that. Absolutely mossed, absolutely mossed Nate Hobbs. The four, it was an amazing rookie cornerback for the Raiders last year. I mean, the Rams they looked lifeless through three quarters of football, only putting up three points, but going into the fourth quarter. They just gained some type of random momentum, putting up 14 points. And, you know, this game was really switched, right? The Raiders, they started off really hot. Devontae Adams was absolutely killing Jalen Ramsey this entire game, or I should say more of for the first half. Had an amazing one-handed catch against him. And outside of the first half, 
you know, Devontae Adams was non-existent in the second. You know, didn't get targeted really whatsoever as Devontae Adams would finish the night with three receptions for 71 yards receiving. And that would be it really in terms of Las Vegas throwing the football. Derek Carr just struggled all night. Had two really bad interceptions. 11 for 20, 137 yards passing with zero touchdowns. And then those two interceptions we just talked about. And I mean... Uh, you know, despite Josh Jacobs, who was dealing with a hand injury a little bit in this game, would come back and still ran the football pretty darn well, they still somehow managed to once again choke another fourth quarter lead as Josh Jacobs would have 27 carries for about 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. But a ton of credit needs to be given to the Los Angeles Rams defense, which was able to hold Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, and Josh Jacobs in the second half to literally only a field goal, which would come in the fourth quarter. So a ton of credit to Bobby Wagner, who had an absolute amazing game, 14 tackles in this game, as the Rams would pull out the stunner on Thursday Night Football against the Raiders on a final game-winning drive by no one other than Baker Mayfield, 17 to 16 as the Rams they finally get back in the win column and improve to four and nine and then for the Raiders you know despite being on a three-game win streak and a game that they easily should have won they somehow let the Rams get back in this game and they now finally have their win streak snapped as they now fall to five and eight on the season so anyways y'all that would wrap up our Thursday night game so let's head out to Sunday slate of games and we're going to kick it off in our noon slate talking about a big-time NFC East matchup that we had going on in East Rutherford, New Jersey, as we had the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the New York Giants. And for Philadelphia, you know, a big week last week against the Tennessee Titans were able to throw the football really effectively. You know, uh, almost said Miles Sanders. You had A.J. Brown. You had Devontae Smith, who both went off for 100-plus receiving yards. You had Jalen Hurts, who continues to play to MVP level. And now you're going into this game against your rival, the Giants, in a game which, if you win, you automatically clinch a playoff berth. And, well, you could tell that was something they were definitely thinking about throughout the entirety of this game because Jalen Hurts, once again, continues to prove why he should be the MVP frontrunner right now as Jalen Hurts in this game against the Giants was just picking apart their entire defense, whether it was running the football or throwing the football. For passing-wise, though, he'd go 21-31, 217 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. And he also got it done on the ground as well, seven carries for 77 yards uh, rushing and one touchdown. And, you know, since we're talking about the run game still, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, we're, they're really more known for throwing the football right this year. That's kind of been their bread and butter. You went out and got A.J. AJ Brown from the Tennessee Titans, who has been one of the best wide receivers so far this year. You got the former Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. But the run game has been very underrated for them. And, you know, led, led by their um, lead back, Miles Sanders, the former Penn State Nittany Lion, he balled out in this game against the New York Giants. 17 carries for 144 yards rushing and two touchdowns. I mean, he was just unstoppable. Had a had an amazing long touchdown run of 40 yards in which he just absolutely pretty much had a beast mode moment, so to speak. And this was really just Philadelphia this entire game. And then on the flip side for the New York Giants, just a really rough showing offensively and defensively. You know, defensively, Devontae Smith had a great, you know, great touchdown reception right for 41 yards, got the ball between two defenders, but the whole reason why he was able to catch that football was because a New York Giants defender tried to intercept it rather than, you know, swatting it down. It was a fourth down conversion too. So not really the best decision, and you can tell this New York Giant team, you know, towards about the middle part of the season, you know, their stock was skyrocketing, right? They're going on an upwards trajectory. 
Well, now when you look at him now, it's not looking as great. But at the same time, they are really banged up offensively and defensively. I mean, they pretty much are ba- are down to their backups. Backup offensive line has been horrendous. Allowed seven sacks in this game to the Philadelphia Eagles, who have a really good pass rush. Don't get me wrong; they have a really good defensive line. But just the Giants, they're not going the not going the the way that they should be, and it really showed in this game as the Philadelphia Eagles would go on to blow out their rival the New York Giants 48 to 22 as the Philadelphia Eagles they now improve to 12 and 1 on the year and have officially been or have officially clinched a playoff berth into the playoffs and then for the New York Giants they now fall to 7-5 and 1 and are really scratching their head and kind of wondering you know when are we going to be able to get back to where we were at, you know, towards the beginning of the year? You know, we were really impressing and everything like that because, you know, right now, Washington, who's on a bye week this week, they probably going to end up overtaking New York in terms of getting third place in the NFC East, which might be the difference in terms of making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. So, anyway, just another great game by the Philadelphia Eagles, and especially Jalen Hurts, who I think right now easily has MVP wrapped up right now. Just What he's been able to give to this team, running the football, throwing the football, the leadership aspect. I mean, he's truly helped, you know, revamp this Philadelphia Eagles team versus when they were with Carson Wentz and those other guys. So, anyway, great game for Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles as they get a big-time win. Now, y'all, for our next game, we're going to go down to Arlington, Texas, as we had one of the more shocking games of the weekend. You know, the result was what we all expected, but just how we got the result was not how we did expect, as we had the 1-10-1 Houston Texans taking on the Dallas Cowboys, who were coming off an historic fourth quarter last night, or last weekend on Sunday Night Football, in which they put up 33 points against the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday Night Football. So, in this game... It was pretty much a thought around the whole entire NFL community that the Cowboys, they got this game on lock, right? You know, they're going up against a one-win Houston Texans team whose offense legitimately could not stop a turtle if it was going right past them, right? And, you know, in this game, for some reason, Houston just decided that, like, this was their Super Bowl, right? Like, they needed to win this game. And they really showcase that. You know, they have a ton of really great rookies that are going to eventually be, you know, in my opinion, stars in this league. You know, Damian Pierce, obviously, who's probably the more notable one that we always talk about. But a guy that I think doesn't get enough attention on this Houston Texans team in terms of being a really top-ranked rookie is Jalen Petrie. They're starting safety out of Baylor, who was a second-round pick. Dude is absolutely the definition of a ball hawk and what you want as a safety, right? I mean, he is always he always finds himself to the football and will always make – like, he's a sure tackler, right? Like, he's not a guy you're going to be worried about, you know, missing a tackle. And he led the team in tackles in this game with 12 total. I mean, this was literally the Jalen Petrie game. We also saw Christian Harris, the, uh, the rookie uh, linebacker out of Alabama. He also did pretty good in this game. So the Texans have a lot of young pieces they can build around. Now, offensively, you know, we still have to wait a little bit for John Mechie. You know, he's dealing, he's dealing with leukemia right now, so hopefully everything goes okay with him. But, you know, with Damian Pierce, you've got, you know, you still have, um, you went and got Amari Rogers from Green Bay. You also have, I can't even think of his, Nico Collins, the former Michigan wide receiver. You know, there's a ton of young talent on this Houston Texans team, but we know it's going to be a few years until we really see them do anything. And, you know, in this game, like I talked about, they showcased a lot of that. Jalen Petrie, 12 total tackles on the day. Christian Harris with five. But the offense for the Texans was really good through three quarters of football, and you'll kind of you'll see why I'm saying that because uh, Davis Mills, who didn't really play as bad in this game, was almost 
darn near perfect outside of a game-sealing interception, would go 16-21, 175 yards passing with zero touchdowns and then one interception. Jeff Driscoll would also come into this game and looked pretty darn good, showcased a lot of speed, the former Florida Gator quarterback, which I had never remembered him having that much speed, but, I mean, hey, he almost outran Micah Parsons, so you got to be pretty darn fast to do that. Jeff Driscoll would go 4-6 for 38 yards passing and one touchdown, and then Damian Pierce continued to do Damian Pierce things, absolutely just refused to go down on a ton of really tough runs in this game. 22 carries for 78 yards, rushing and one touchdown, who arguably is one of the top offensive rookies in the league this year, has a total of 861 rushing yards on the season. So I would say it's a pretty darn good year for the rookie running back out of Florida. And then Chris Moore, the wide receiver for the Houston Texans, who was a fourth-round pick back in 2016 for the Baltimore Ravens, has really been more used as a specialist his entire career. And, you know, due to the depth of the Houston Texans at wide receiver pretty much being pretty much slim to none, you know, not having Brandon Cooks, not having Nico Collins in this game, you know, he, he had to step up, and he did. I mean, had a couple amazing catches, had one really good catch. Um, on the day would have 10 receptions for 124 yards receiving. Didn't get a touchdown, but still a really good game overall for him. Amari Rodgers, the former Green Bay Packer, who just got recently released and got put on waivers due to literally just fumbling the ball on every single punt return for the Packers. He would have four receptions for 57 yards receiving and also would get his first career touchdown in this game as well. So congrats to Amari for being able to do that. But the Dallas Cowboys, man, <laughs> they're just—it's—they're so inconsistent at times because we saw how they played against Indy, we saw how they played against Minnesota, and you're like, okay, this team Super Bowl contenders, right? And then you see games like this against the Texans, you see games like that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, first game of the season. You see it. Um, I'm trying to think of the other game, but I can't. For some reason, my mind just went blank. But you see all of these games where it's like. They're, they look like Super Bowl contenders, then they don't. They look like Super Bowl contenders, and then they don't, right? And this game was a perfect case of, you know, having these inconsistencies can really screw you over at the end because, you know, teams teams like the Eagles are not going to allow you to be able to get away with as much as you did in this game. And, you know, talking about getting away with stuff, Dak Prescott had two very costly interceptions in this game, his last one being one that really should have won the Houston Texans the game because the Cowboys are backed into their own end zone. He throws the football directly, and I mean literally no wide receiver was near him, throws it directly to the Houston Texans defender. And the Texans are pretty much in the red zone. All they have to do is run the football. Luckily, the Cowboys defense bails them out once again. But, man, just Dallas barely escaped this game. Like, I mean, just barely. As on the day total, Dak would go 24-39, 284 yards passing with one touchdown to two interceptions. And looking at him statistically, it wasn't that bad of a performance. But, you know, with play calling issues, not getting C.D. Lamb the ball as much as they probably should have in this game. Because C.D. only had five receptions for 33 yards receiving. And normally when you get C.D. going, you're normally going to have a really big game offensively. Running the football, not as good as they have been. Still a really good game running the football. Ezekiel Elliott would lead him with 15 carries for 62 yards rushing and one touchdown. Tony Pollard would have 10 carries of his own with 42 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. But the one thing I don't understand, kind of similar to C.D. Lamb, why do you get away from Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb, who are your two top playmakers on this offense, right? You know, they really tried to get the ball to Dalton Schultz a lot in this game, but Dalton Schultz dropped numerous passes that really would have been huge. He also made pretty big catches, like one that le that eventually led to Dallas getting the game-winning touchdown. So he makes really good catches, but at the same time, drops, drops a ton 
of costly ones too as Dalton Schultz would lead the Cowboys in this game with 87 receiving yards on the day as well but you know Dallas just somehow is able to find it in the end to be able to get a win with a really strong fourth quarter putting up 10 points as the Dallas Cowboys survive at home against the Houston Texans 27 to 23 as the Dallas Dallas Cowboys they now improve to 10 and 3 on the year getting their 10th win of the season and then for the Houston Texans they now drop to a, a 1 11 and 1 and they're just trying to get into better um draft pick position so they, they can get their quarterback of the future whether that's going to be Bryce Young CJ Stroud we will wait and see but for the Tex Texans you really probably need to sit Damian Pierce for the rest of the year let the young man rest a little bit because obviously you're already out of playoff contention and there's no real point risking him getting injured going forward especially if you do want to end up contending at some point in his career so Anyways, y'all, the next game that we're going to talk about, we're going to go over to the AFC as we had a really big matchup up in the AFC East up in Buffalo as we had the New York Jets taking on the Buffalo Bills. And while this game was relatively low scoring, the weather was really cruddy up there in Buffalo, which I know, shocker, right? Weather being really cold, rain, sleep, I mean, it, you know, not ideal weather. Now, if you're up north, it's ideal football weather, right? But for me down in Texas, not something that you really want. But, you know, for these two teams who have had really good offenses who have been really solid the past few weeks obviously Mike White has brought something to this offense which they have not gotten so far with Zach Wilson being their starting quarterback and that's being able to throw the football effectively you know I know they lost the Minnesota Vikings last week and you know obviously ended up losing that game he threw two interceptions as well but still showed a lot of improvements and in this game Mike White was not horrible but his offensive line got him literally killed in this game as Mike White would leave the game. I forgot what type of injury, but he would leave the game eventually with an injury as Mike White on the day would go 27 of 44, 268 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. This was really just a low-scoring game. The game started off really funny because it looked a lot like how the Patriots and Jets game went, you know, with Zach Wilson's last start at quarterback where it was punt, 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 punt and then punt, 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 until finally Buffalo would score a touchdown in the second uh, second quarter to finally end that just wild streak. Um, and then for the New York Jets, you know, throwing the football didn't work as much, so they went down to the run game, and I think they found a really good, you know, second and third option at running back. You know, they went out and got James Robinson from the Jaguars. They drafted Brees Hall out of Iowa State, who looked like a star until he tore his ACL, you know, a few weeks ago. Zonovan Knight, a guy that I had never heard of really up until this point, who who was, a, who was an undrafted rookie coming out of NC State, had a really solid game last week against the Vikings and had a really good game this week also against the Buffalo Bills. 17 carries for 71 yards rushing and one touchdown. Garrett Wilson was also able to do his thing as well as Elijah Moore. 78 yards for Garrett Wilson, 60 for Elijah Moore. But just not being able to put up points on the board, you know, only having one touchdown. They would get a safety in this game, so, hey, there that there is that for Jets fans. You know, the defense still did pretty good, contained Buffalo to only 20 points on the day. And, you know, when you look at Buffalo offensively, they didn't do much either. Dawson Knox would be their leading receiver in this game with 41 yards receiving and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis would both be held to under 40 receiving yards apiece. 
running the football. Josh Allen pretty much did it all. 10 carries for 47 yards rushing and one touchdown. The best way I can put it is this was a game that you likely were just going to not watch and just, I mean, unless you were a diehard fan of either of these teams, you probably just wanted to get get past this game immediately because of how poor it was. And, I mean, conditions obviously were a major factor in this game. You weren't going to see the high-powering, you know, offenses of both teams throwing the football 75 yards down the field, right, because you just can't in this type of weather. But Buffalo, they would hold on despite giving up a safety and a field goal in the fourth quarter. The Buffalo Bills are going to win this big-time AFC East matchup 20-12 to over their rivals, the New York Jets. As the Buffalo Bills, they now improve to 10-3 and on the year. The New York Jets, they now fall to 7-6. and So we've had a lot of, you know, fun games so far, and it only continued to get better as now we're going to go to another rivalry game, which this week was pretty much just rivalry week in terms of NFL-wise, as we're going to go to the NFC North as we had what I thought was it was a game that didn't make sense of why why one team was favored, and that was the uh, Minnesota Vikings taking on the Detroit Li- uh, Detroit Lions. You know, the Lions they were favored by minus two, which I was like, okay, that's a red flag, right? Like Minnesota, there's no way their offense is going to allow Detroit to somehow win this game. You know, despite the Lions looking pretty good these past few weeks, had a huge blowout win against the Jaguars last week at home. I'm like, okay, the Vikings, if a team's going to be able to go into Detroit and stop it. It's got to be the Vikings, you know, Kirk Cousins, you got Dalvin Cook, you got Justin Jefferson. I mean, you know, what could go wrong in this game? Uh, well, the Detroit um, Lions, their offense is what could go wrong in this game because Jared Goff, who I don't think is getting talked enough about, at least here these past few weeks, has really stepped up for this Lions offense, 27-39, 330 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Had himself a really good ball game. Running the football, 134 total rushing yards for the Lions with one t- run with. One run touchdown, which came from Justin Jackson, the former Charger. Now, throwing the football is really where Detroit earned their money. You saw it from Jared Goff putting up all those crazy video game numbers. DJ Chark, who finally had his first real good game as a line last week against his former team, the Jaguars, had another great game to back that up as well. Six receptions for 94 yards receiving and one touchdown. Amon Ross St. Brown didn't have his statistically, you know, blowout video game game that we've been pretty much used to used to him having so far this year. Six receptions for 68 yards receiving, but he still continues to be one of the more consistent wide receivers in the NFL. Josh Reynolds and Jamison Williams, who we'll talk about here in a second. Josh Reynolds put up a, a receiving touchdown as well. And then Jamison Williams, who only had one reception in this game, one, and that came really early on in the game. But, you know, coming off a torn ACL in the national championship game for Alabama when they are playing Georgia, you know, had a really long recovery. Finally, he's getting his opportunity. First real game playing in the NFL. And, man, his first ever catch ends up being a 41-yard touchdown reception. So he gets his first catch and first touchdown in the same exact play. I mean, you really feel good for a guy like this that's absolutely talented beyond belief. I mean, he's got great length, got great speed considering his size, and I think he's going to be a star for the Detroit Lions going forward. But he would be able to have that his one lone reception, but it would be 41 yards for a touchdown as the Detroit Lions, whose defense really did a good job in this game. Despite letting Justin Jefferson have a, just an absolute amazing game, 11 receptions for 223 yards receiving, didn't get a touchdown, but a lot of credit to Detroit, which their defense has really stepped up these past few weeks, getting a big-time win and really helping them get close to that 500 mark. You know, now that they, after this win, they sit at 6-7 and seven as they go on to beat their rival, the Minnesota Vikings, 
34 to 23 as Detroit. Like I talked about, they're just one game off of being above 500. They're currently sitting second right now in the NFC North, above Green Bay, above Chicago, which is just really, really funny to think that the Detroit Lions. If I, I mean, if we talked about this preseason, right? Who would have thought that the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers would be one spot underneath? The Jared Goff-led Detroit Lions. Let's just let that settle in for a second. Who would have thought that right now the Lions would be above the Green Bay Packers in the NFC North? But anyways, a ton of credit to what Dan Campbell has been able to do with his Detroit Lions squad. Now, y'all, for our next game, we had yet another rivalry game, this time the Battle of Ohio, as we had the Cleveland Browns taking on the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. And, well, Joe Burrow in that offense, they continue to do their normally th their normal things. Joe Mixon, his first game back coming off an injury, he looked really good, 14 carries for 96 yards rushing as well. Samaj P. Ryan, who has been an absolute monster these past few weeks for the Cincinnati Bengals while Joe Mixon has been injured, now is able to go back to his normal spot as running back two and still looked really good. Four receptions for 22 yards receiving and one touchdown. So I think the Cincinnati Bengals, they have themselves a really good one-two combo at running back. And, you know, obviously it's not even the highlight of their offense because you know, we wouldn't be talking about the Cincinnati Bengals if we were not talking about Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase had himself a really good game as well. Ten receptions for 119 yards receiving and one touchdown on the day. Trenton Irwin, who has kind of emerged as a really good slot guy for the Cincinnati Bengals, two receptions for 58 yards receiving and one touchdown. So the Bengals offense, they continue to keep it going. Now, unfortunately, in this game, uh, I think it was – yeah, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd, I almost said T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd would lead this game with, the with, I think it was a concussion issue. It was either concussion or ankle. It was one of those two, but he would lead this game, so hopefully everything is okay with him. You know, definitely don't want to lose another weapon on the Cincinnati Bengal offense. Joe Burrow looked pretty good, 18-33, 239 yards passing, two touchdowns, and then one interception. And I know a lot of y'all are probably waiting, waiting for me to talk a little bit about, you know, Deshaun Watson, right, his second game back. The second game back off of that 11-game suspension after not playing the entire 2021 season. So, you know, he's still trying to get warmed up a little bit. I mean, I think the rest of this year, a lot of people are going to give him a lot of slack in terms of, okay, he hasn't played since early 2021. What are we really going to expect out of him? And in this game, he wasn't great. 26 of 42, 276 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. But I'd say it was definitely a step up compared to his last game last week against the Houston Texans because this week he was going up against a very much better defense in the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but, you know, the Bengals defense, they did a really good job containing the run with Nick Chubb, only allowing Nick Chubb to have 34 yards rushing. Deshaun Watson would actually have 33 yards rushing of his own. So, I mean, hey, there's that. I mean, we obviously knew that he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's also going to be able to throw the football. And he's also going to be able to run the football. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones, the former Michigan wide receiver, he would have himself a heck of a day. Eight receptions for 114 yards receiving. David Njoku, seven receptions for 59 yards receiving and one touchdown on the day. The lone touchdown pass that Deshaun Watson would throw. But ultimately, that just would not be enough as the Cincinnati Bengals, they pull out the win in this AFC North matchup 23-10 over their rivals as Cincinnati. They now improve to 9-4 on the year. And the Cleveland Browns, they now fall to 5-8. So yet again, another really good win by the uh, Cleveland Bengals. <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, is, they're, right now I'd say they're definitely one of the top teams in the AFC, if not 
the top. Now, obviously, you still have the Kansas City Chiefs, which they're always going to be up top. You always got you know, Buffalo. But I think right now the Bengals, they're really making their case to potentially, you know, having another season like they did last year. So, anyways, y'all, the next game that I want to talk about, we're going to go down to Tennessee as we had a AFC South matchup, which just was completely one-sided the entire game. And Trevor Lawrence really looked like the Heisman candidate Trevor Lawrence that we got used to seeing at Clemson as we had the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Tennessee Titans. And like I talked about with Trevor Lawrence, he just looked amazing in this game. 30 of 42, 368 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Threw the foot football pretty much with no effort. You know, the, the child prodigy that we saw when he was at Cartersville High School, went to Clemson, and now is with Jacksonville. We saw that same kid. Um, Evan Ingram, who is a former Giants tight end, former Ole Miss tight end, He's done really good this year. I know it hasn't been talked a lot about, but he's done really good so far for Jacksonville being their starting uh, tight end. And especially in this game, had his best game so far as a Jaguar. 11 receptions for 162 yards receiving and two touchdowns. And on the season, he only has 386 yards, but still has not been horrendous. You know, when he has played, he's looked pretty good. Still showcases a lot of his talent. And then Zay Jones, who was an absolute stud at East Carolina. And, you know, I could talk all in all about him because, personally, he was one of my favorite guys when he was coming out of college football. He had a miraculous touchdown catch in this game right at the end of the first half. Caught it right in the corner of the end zone, which got tipped up to him. Pretty much caught it out of nowhere. But um, Zay Jones, eight receptions for 77 yards receiving on the day. And then that one touchdown we just talked about. And then for the Tennessee Titans, offensively, we're not horrible. 25 of 38, 254 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception for Ryan Tannehill, despite being sacked four times in this game. Um, also, in this past year's draft, the number one overall pick, Trevon Walker, he would also have a strip sack off of Ryan Tannehill, too. So, didn't really help Ryan Tannehill a lot at the fact that he's dealing with a practice squad offensive line right now. But Derrick Henry really didn't face him that much. 17 carries for 121 yards rushing and one touchdown as well. So not a bad game offensively for the Titans, but with how banged up their defense was, I mean, it, 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 this was just made to be a disaster. And now me being just you know stupid and being kind of clueless, like, okay, last week, right? The Jacksonville Jaguars, they went on the road up to Detroit, got blown out 40, I think it was 40 to 13, 40 to 17. And you're like, okay, well, they're going to go back to being the Jaguars. And then they go back to having games like this where they go on the road to Tennessee, which historically they have been horrible on the road against the Tennessee Titans because normally Derrick Henry has these monster games that we've gotten so used to seeing. And, you know, it didn't help either. Derrick Henry also had two fumbles in this game as well. And a lot of credit needs to be given to Jacksonville for them being able to force these turnovers. You know, maybe not being able to stop them in terms of yardage-wise, but but being able to get those turnovers, which played a huge part, huge part in them getting this win today. As the Jacksonville Jaguars would get a 36 to 22 win over the Tennessee Titans. Now, y'all, for our final game that we're going to talk about in our noon slate, our early slate of games. We're going to go back to the AFC North as we had yet another rivalry game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Baltimore Raven fans, I want to apologize because I completely forgot about how darn good this defense is for the Ravens, right? And another kind of, and it's weird because this type of trade you normally never forget about, but for me, 
I completely forgot the Ravens went out and traded for Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears, you know, the all-pro linebacker who's been one of the best middle linebackers in all of the NFL these, his past few years, you know, ever since he stepped foot into the NFL. And, you know, by Baltimore trading for him, their defense just leveled up one more, and it showed in this game as well because Roquan Smith would also get an interception off of his former Chicago Bear teammate, Mitchell Trubisky. And you're probably wondering, well, why did Mitchell Trubisky start in this game? He didn't start in this game, but Kenny Pickett normally would start. He's looked really good these past few weeks. You know, last week went on the road in Atlanta, got a really good win against a really good Falcons team. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, not Mitchell Trubisky. Kenny Pickett would unfortunately get slinged to the ground and would hit his head pretty hard, would leave this game with a concussion, so probably he's not going to play next week. I doubt he will, but um, Mitchell Trubisky would come this game and went back to doing normal Mitchell Trubisky things, 22 of 30, 276 yards passing with one touchdown and three interceptions. And, yes, you heard that right, three interceptions. Not a great game whatsoever for the um, the former first or second overall quarterback. So, and the three the three interceptions that would get picked off. One of those being Roquan, which we just talked about. Marcus Williams, who was a big time free agent acquisition for the Ravens in the off season, and then Patrick Queen, another really good linebacker out of LSU, who's been one of the more underrated linebackers in all the NFL. So, the Ravens defense really stepped up in this game when their offense couldn't. And to make matters worse for the Ravens offense, you already have Lamar Jackson who's going to be out for about another week or two. So you went with Tyler Huntley, who is a really capable backup quarterback. is pretty much a cloned version of Lamar Jackson. Um, he would leave this game also with a concussion issue. So for some reason, concussions were a big thing in this game. So the Baltimore Ravens would be down to their third-string quarterback, and that would be former Boston College and Oregon quarterback, Anthony Brown and well Anthony Brown really didn't do much in this game three of five for 16 yards and that would be it but the run game which we've gotten so used to seeing for the Baltimore Ravens continue to carry them once again in this game as J.K. Dobbins man I think we just kind of forget about how much of a beast he is because of all the injury issues he's had 15 carries for 120 yards rushing and one touchdown on the day Gus Edwards would have also put up 66 rushing yards of his own as the Baltimore Ravens go on the road and get a big-time win for them over the Pittsburgh Steelers, 16-14, to as the Baltimore Ravens somehow are still at 9-4, and which I did blows my mind that they have such a good record because when you watch these games and you just look at, like, highlights and everything, you're like, okay, this is like a 5-8 and team, right? Like, you know, what the Pittsburgh Steelers are or, like, where the Browns are. This team is still 9-4 and four and is leading the AFC North still. <laughs> like, like, the, like Cincinnati is still in second place right behind this team, which is just absolutely absurd to think about. But anyway, the Ravens, they get a good win against the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. So now, y'all, let's talk about our – I guess it's time I'm thinking of college football. Let's talk about our late slate of games. And we had three really good matchups that we're going to talk about. But the first one I want to talk about, and the game that was originally the Sunday night football game but got flexed out for the um, – Miami Dolphin and Los Angeles Charger game. We had Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs going on the road and taking on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, who historically continue to have one of the worst offenses in recent NFL history. And, you know, by the way this game started, it really looked like it was going to continue to be one of those games where Denver, they might get a touchdown, and that's it. Like, if you see a touchdown, that's like a Christmas miracle. I mean, it is a holiday season, so obviously it would be very much fitting. And, well, the game started off with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs taking a quick 27-0 lead. 
and this was right before halftime. I think there was only about four, four or so minutes left in the half. And while Russell Wilson and his offense start to get things clicking, and the main reason why they started getting all that momentum was off of a Josie Jewell interception, which pretty much switched all the momentum at the end of the half because Russell Wilson would connect with, with um, Jerry Judy twice at the end of the first half for two touchdown passes. So going into the half, instead of instead of it being 27 to 0, it would be 27 to 14 and also the Broncos would get the ball coming out of the half and well, despite putting up 14 points in the second half and you know seeming like they may be able to get things going, unfortunately Russell Wilson, who's had one of his better games so far this year, you know, to finish it up, he would go 23 of 36, 247 yards passing with three touchdowns and then one interception. Now the biggest thing you need to note in this is that he was sacked six times in this game. The offensive line continues to be one of the biggest struggles for the Denver Broncos, which largely due is is largely due to the fact that their whole offensive line is pretty much playing with practice squad guys, right? Like they are so banged up throughout the whole interior of it. They don't have their starting center. They don't have their starting right tackle. They don't have their starting left tackle either. Garrett Bowles is out for the rest of the year. So there's a lot of issues that they're dealing with on offense injury-wise. And, you know, to make it you know even better in terms of all the injuries they're dealing with offensively, they would get two more in this game. Mike Boone, who's been one of the few bright spots they've had in their running back room, and then also Russell Wilson, when he would get a hard hit to the ground. Now, it wasn't dirty or anything. He was diving to make the play, and unfortunately, Frank Clark would lay right on top of him. And when I tell you Russell Wilson's like head slammed so hard on the turf, I mean, later when we, when we saw him without his helmet, he had a huge lump on the right side of his forehead where he hit the turf. I mean, it, it, it just looked really scary. I mean, Russell Wilson just could physically not get up. So hopefully everything's okay with Russell Wilson because – at the end of the day, he is a human being, and, you know, you never want to see like something something like that happen to anybody. But, I mean, overall, it wasn't a bad day offensively for the Broncos. You know, they started to pick things up, but after that injury, it really derailed all the momentum that they had gained in this game. Um, Jerry Judy, who was pretty much the main target for Russell Wilson in this game, and even Brett Rippin when he came in, Jerry Judy would have eight receptions for 73 yards receiving and three touchdowns on the day, so a hat trick for Mr. Judy. But Jerry also might be getting in some trouble himself because towards the end of the first half, and you know, rightfully so, when you're down 27-0, your quarterback just threw a pick six, you're going to be really frustrated, right? Well, unfortunately, Jerry Judy got so frustrated at a certain call that he went directly to a ref, ended up bumping into him, and likely will end up getting some type of fine. I've heard suspension kind of getting thrown around a little bit. If he gets suspended, expected to be like maybe a one or two game at most suspension. But just something to kind of monitor if you are a Broncos fan. Um, Marlon Mack played really well in this game, receiving-wise especially, because he opened I mean, he opened the second half absolutely on fire, had a 66-yard reception for a touchdown. So, I mean, hey, we started to see some old flashes of Marlon Mack. But, you know, for Kansas City, they also struggled a little bit offensively well. They also struggled a little bit offensively as well, throwing the football, Patrick Mahomes, Really struggled with just decision-making this game through three interceptions, which is something you really don't see from a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, 28 of 42, 352 yards passing with three touchdowns, and then those three interceptions we just talked about. He did make one incredible pass to Jarek McKinney, which he literally just kind of like shoveled past it but did it underhand. It was, it was really cool. I have the highlight videos posted on uh, social media for the Cover 7 podcast, and I mean you can pretty much find it literally wherever. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, who has been a real bright spot as a rookie running back for them. Continue to have another great game, 70 rushing yards on the day. Um, Jarek McKinney would actually lead the team in receiving yards. You know, oh, wow, why not Travis Kelsey, yada, yada, yada. Jarek McKinney, I mean, Jarek McKinney, not McKinney. 
he, he, he was absolutely on fire. Seven receptions for 112 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster would also have a receiving touchdown as well in this game. As the Kansas City Chiefs on the road, they do survive against the Denver Broncos 34-28. As the Kansas City Chiefs, they now improve to 10-3 and on the year. And then for the Denver Broncos, despite being a really tough loss, there is a lot of positives you can take out of this. Patrick Sartan was absolutely incredible in this game. I mean, he had one interception. Josie Jewell had two of them. I, th I think Josie Jewell easily should be AFC Defensive Player of the Week just off of this performance. But, you know, anyway, it's a great game for Denver in terms of building morale and seeing how they were able to overcome a lot of the, you know, obstacles they had to face. But, you know, for Kansas City, this is not a concerning game. I mean, yes. Three interceptions by Patrick Mahomes is something you don't want, but I think they really thought after getting to that 27-0 lead that this was going to be a cakewalk. And well, this is the NFL, and obviously every team has talent. No matter no matter how bad of a team they are, they have guys that were able to get to the NFL. So it, you know they just probably let loose a little bit too too much. But anyway, the Kansas City Chiefs get a big win over their AFC West rival, the Denver Broncos. Now, y'all, for our next game, we're going to stay out west, but we're going to go down to the Bay Area in San Francisco as we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on Brock Purdy in his first career start for the San Francisco 49ers. And, well, in this game, Brock Purdy was absolutely fantastic and, you know, pun very much intended. He looked very purdy in this game. All right, I'm just... I'm going to quit talking. Anyway, Brock Purdy would go 16-21, 185 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day. And, you know, for me being a TCU fan and watching him during his days at Iowa State, it's really incredible incredible to see. And I'm not going to say he's very much situation, you know, made or, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the phrase everybody always says. Um, kind of like, anyway, y'all y'all get the gist of it if you kind of understand what I'm talking about. But, Brock Purdy looked really good throwing the football. He was very accurate, didn't really really make that many mistakes. He stayed in the pocket when he needed to. Heck, he even stepped up in the pocket when he needed to make throws and really exposed this Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense. And another guy that was a real big part in this game for expo you know, exposing the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense was Christian McCaffrey, the big-time you know, trade acquisition they got at the deadline from the Carolina Panthers. 14 carries for 119 yards rushing and one touchdown. He also would have 34 yards receiving and a receiving touchdown as well. So really big day from Christian McCaffrey. Now the one negative for the San Francisco 49ers in this game, the defense played amazing. Defense was absolutely phenomenal. Forced two interceptions off of Tom Brady. Limited the run game to only 63 yards rushing in this game. Would be Debo Samuel leaving this game with a knee injury. He would have to be carted off. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't want to be a negative Nancy because obviously you'd never want a guy to have to go through this. But likelihood is that Debo Samuel suffered a torn ACL. So now, he, now I might be wrong. Now by the time this comes out, we might have heard something. This will come out at Sunday or um, Tuesday. I'm thinking of college football. This will come out at Tuesday. But as far as right now that I'm recording here on Sunday, it's it, it looks like it's going to be a torn ACL. So if that if he does have a torn ACL, that is a huge loss for that San Francisco 49er offense. And obviously, you've got guys like Christian McCaffrey. you got Brandon Ayuk, who played really good in this game when targeted. You still have George Kittle. I mean, they still are super stacked on offense. But obviously, eliminating a guy like Debo Samuel off your offense, who can line up in the backfield need be, can line, mm, can line up out wide, can line up in the slot. I mean, heck, could probably even take Wildcat need be. You know, that's a huge loss for your offense. And, you know, hopefully, you know, outside of football, Debo Samuel is okay because you never want to see somebody have to go through that. But, you know, anyway, back to talking about the San Francisco 49ers defense. 
They were absolutely incredible in this game. Dre Greenlaw and Tashawn Gibson Sr., they both would get interceptions on the day. And Tom Brady just looked horrible in this game. 34-55, 253 yards passing with one touchdown and two interceptions. I mean, there was a case right before halftime where Tom Brady was fourth and goal. Tom Brady had Mike Evans wide open in the back of the end zone and just completely underthrew him. Now, Maybe it's the fact he's coming back home to where he's from. And, you know, I know pressure is probably the last thing. I'm not trying to give Tom Brady excuses. But maybe it's just one of those things where he's been on a really good streak of, oh, hey, well, we can always come back late in the game and yada, yada, yada. But this time he learned quickly that when you go up against arguably the best defense in the NFL, that's just not the case as the San Francisco 49ers would go on to blow out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. 35-7 as the 49ers, they now improved to 9-4. and And, you know, really, you could still say, even without Jimmy G, even without Debo Samuel, they still, in my opinion, are one of the top teams in the NFC up there with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, y'all, for our final late game that we did have today, we're still going to be out west, so I guess, I guess our late slated games just so happen to always be out west. We had the Carolina Panthers going over all the way out west up to Seattle, taking on Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. And this was a rough one if you were a Seattle Seahawks fan because to start out the game, you did not have uh, you did not have Kenneth Walker. He'd be out of this game with the injury he suffered last week. You still had DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Geno Smith, and you know all those guys, right? So that probably made you feel a little bit better. But, man, did Sam Darnold once again in his second consecutive start for the Carolina Panthers he looked pretty good, 14-24, 120 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But that wouldn't even be the main thing in this game. It would be the run game of the Carolina Panthers that would get it done for them in this game. Chuba Hubbard, the former standout running back at Oklahoma State, and then Deontay Foreman, the former standout running back at Texas. Kind of a contradiction of... <clears throat> kind of a contradiction of schools if I if I do so say myself because you know both those schools hate each other but anyway Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman would both have 74 rushing yards apiece with Chuba Hubbard having a rushing touchdown and then Raheem Blackshear he would have one rushing touchdown as well so Carolina they were getting it done on the ground despite you know trading away Christian McCaffrey you know you don't have um who am I thinking of they had Christian McCaffrey I can't even think of the other guy. But anyway, you know, not despite not really doing a crazy amount throwing the football, the run game was just really good. And the defense deserves a lot of credit. They held Seattle to only 24 points on the day. Also forced two interceptions off of Geno Smith with uh, J.C. Horn, the former first-round pick for the Panthers. And then C.J. Henderson, who's gotten forgo- who's gotten forgot about a ton, the former first-round pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who got traded last year to the Panthers. He also got a pick as well in this game. And you know, for Geno Smith, arguably probably his worst game of the year so far: 21 of 36, 264 yards passing with three touchdowns and then two interceptions. As the Carolina Panthers, they go on to have the upset win up in Seattle, 30 to 24 over the Seahawks. As the Carolina Panthers. They now improve to 5-8 and eight on the season. And the Seattle Seahawks, they now fall to 7-6. and six. And as of right now, it looks like San Francisco, they should go on to win the NFC West. As much as I like Seattle early on in the season, I just think San Francisco, they're the more complete team. They, they are way more consistent. Unfortunately with Seattle, their downfall is always going to be their defense. You know, despite having Tariq Woolen, who likely will end up winning Defensive Rookie of the Year. You know, also you could say Aiden Hutchinson of the Detroit Lions, who had a sack 
against the uh, Minnesota Vikings as well and also has two interceptions on the year. He's definitely up there in terms of defensive rookie of the year. But, you know, the, Seah the Seahawks, they just continue to have a lot of defensive struggles, and it really got exposed in this game against a team that, you know, frankly, they should have beat the brakes off of. So, anyways, y'all, let's now go down to Sunday night football, and we're still going to be on the West Coast. You know, we got a lot of West Coast games during this week, but we're going to go down to SoFi Stadium right where we had Baker Mayfield's historic, or not historic, his miraculous comeback on Thursday Night Football against the Raiders, but this time it'd be the other L.A. team as we had Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins taking on Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, going into this game, it was heavily going to be favored for Miami, right? They're coming off a really rough offensive showing against the San Francisco 49ers, but they kind of were cut some slack due to the fact that San Francisco has the best defense in all the NFL, right? So going into this week against the Los Angeles Chargers, whose defense was extremely banged up going into this game, they didn't have Joey Bosa, they didn't have Derwin James, so they're missing two of their best defensive players, and they're going up against one of the highest-scoring offenses in the league outside of obviously like Philadelphia and Minnesota. Well, in this game, it was low scoring, which was something I did not really see coming whatsoever. Both defenses were pretty much stout for the most part, but for L.A., the key for them would be the Justin Herbert and Mike Williams connection because Mike Williams would go off in this game, made a few just highlight catches as Mike Williams would have six receptions for 116 yards receiving and one touchdown. And then Keenan Allen, who's been banged up for the most part of this year, has really started to get in his groove these past few games and, well, he definitely was feeling it in this game against the Miami Dolphins. 12 receptions for 92 yards receiving. And, I mean, just Justin Herbert was phenomenal in this game despite his O-line, which is still pretty much made with a bunch of tape and just duct tape or whatever. You know, pretty much put together with wood and tape. He, he's still done really good. Got sacked four times in this game, but despite being sacked four times, still was able to get throws off when he needed it to. 39 of 51, 367 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Now, in this game, we would have one of the most wild play sequences, sequences, I can't even talk, sequences you will ever see in all of football. So, you know, normal handoff, Tua gives it to Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson gets wrapped up, but as he's going down, he fumbles the football. It gets bounced around. It looks like Teron Armstead's about to land on it. He lands on it, then it pops out, and Tyree Kills just so happens to be standing right there where the ball is. He completely wraps around the whole little pile you've got going on of all the big guys trying to get the football. He runs about, let me look real quick and see how long that was. A 60-yard, what was this? No, it wasn't a 60-yard uh, rush. I can't even remember. I don't remember how, but it was just, no, it was, real, it was a really darn, it was a, it was a very long run, and it's just one of the most wild things because the ball placement was literally the most perfect placement you could get. And that would really be the highlight of the game for the Miami Dolphins because their offense just really could not get anything going. You know, Tua Tagovailoa really struggled in this game. Only had 10 completions total. Uh, Tua would go 10 of 28, 145 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. And the run game, which really struggled last week, struggled once again. Raheem Mostert would lead them, but with only 37 rushing yards on the day. Jeff Wilson, who was a really good trade acquisition they got from San Francisco right before the deadline, he would only have 26 rushing yards in this game. And, you know, Tyreek Hill, 
once again continues to lead the team in receiving, gets 81 receiving yards on the day with one touchdown. But that would pretty much be it for Miami offensively as the Los Angeles Chargers, they're able to pull off the upset over the Miami Dolphins at home 23-17 to as the Chargers, they now improve to 7-6 and on the season and the Miami Dolphins, they now fall to 8-5. and So, Anyways, y'all, let's now get out to Monday Night Football in Glendale, our final game of Week 14. And in this matchup, we had a decent playoff implication game, right? You know, for Arizona, you win, your playoff hopes still stay alive because obviously Seattle lost. But, you know, you lose, you're pretty much out of the playoffs. And then for New England, kind of the same situation, right? You win the game, you still have that, you know, hypothetical chance you make it. But, you know, if you lose, you're pretty much out. So there's a lot at stake in this game. And, well, the game did not start that great for the Cardinals as they would lose their starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, pretty much immediately on the first drive as Kyler Murray would get a non-contact injury. It's some some type of knee injury. Hopefully it's not an ACL injury. And, you know, previously when I talked about uh, Debo Samuel, we found out it wasn't an ACL injury, so that is good news. Hopefully the same case is for Kyler Murray. But, you know, once Kyler Murray left this game, the energy of the whole team just completely got shut down. Like, I mean, they just simply just were, were just not there mentally. And the offensive line for the Cardinals was horrendous in this game as they allowed six sacks on the day in just a numerous amount of quarterback hurries. And, you know, a guy that really should be considered for Defensive Player of the Year is Matthew Judon, who currently leads the league in sacks right now with 13. He had one and a half in this game. And, you know, what's funny is he didn't even lead the team in sacks in this game. Josh uh, Uche, or I'm so sorry if I butchered that, Josh Uche, the former second-round pick out of Michigan back in the 2020 draft, he had his best game as a as best game as a pro so far in this game against the Cardinals. Three sacks on the day to add along with five total tackles. So this New England Patriot defense was just unstoppable. Didn't allow Colt McCoy to do literally anything. Also had an interception as well, which just so happened to be from Marcus Jones, who has really emerged as a you know utility tool for this New England Patriots team. They use him on defense primarily as a cornerback, but they can use him on offense. We saw that a couple weeks ago. And then obviously he's also really good in special teams. Now for the Arizona Cardinals, just a lot, and I mean a lot of dumb mistakes in this game. DeAndre Hopkins had a really big one. You know, caught a pass over the middle, was running to the side, and just dropped the ball and ended up being, you know, a scoop and score for the Patriots. And just the, just the energy was very much off with the Cardinals in this game. DeHop would lead them with 79 receiving yards. You know, outside of that one mistake, he was pretty good, but just the team just costly penalties as well because it'd be a ton and I mean a ton of just offensive line issues in this game whether it be on the outsides with guys like Cody Ford who got absolutely bullied in this game by uh, Matthew Judon it just was really rough game if you were a Cardinal fan James Conner had 15 carries for 85 yards and one touchdown and that would really be the bright spot of their offense in this game outside of that just really would not get anything going you know and you know for the New England Patriots on offense they were dealing with some injuries as well you know didn't have don't have didn't have Damian Harris going into this game they lost Devontae Parker in the first part of this game due to a concussion so you know they also were dealing with injuries as well but their rookie running backs would really be the story of this game. Pierre Strong Jr., the former standout running back at South Dakota State, he balled out in this game. Five carries for 70 yards rushing and a touchdown. And then Kevin Harris, the former South Carolina running back, 
he would have eight carries for 26 yards rushing and one touchdown. And Mac Jones, you know, had, didn't have to do anything flashy in this game whatsoever. You know, 24 35, 235 yards passing with zero touchdowns and one interception. But the biggest thing would be he didn't make as many mistakes as he's normally done. Started to look a lot like the Mac Jones we saw back on Thanksgiving night against the Vikings. And the play calling was actually good in this game. So hats off to Matt Patricia for doing that, or Matt Patricia and Joe Judge for doing that. And, you know, outside of that, this really was just a very bland game, so to speak. You know, it was a lot just defenses were really battling it out. But New England, they would really optimize on the mistakes that Arizona would give them as New England Patriots would go on to win on Monday Night Football 27-13 to as we wrap up Week 14 of the 2022 NFL season so great win for the Patriots as their playoff hopes still stay alive I mean they're seven and six just literally are tied right now with the New York Jets in the AFC East so just kind of a situation to monitor over there and then for the Arizona Cardinals your season is is done with right you could tell going into this game these guys really just wanted to get out of this season and you know for guys like Cliff Kingsbury this may be the final game uh, you know, he probably will coach as a head coach. I think they'll finish the year out with them, but definitely I do think they'll move on from Cliff Kingsbury after this season. So, anyways, y'all, that, re that recaps all of our games from week 14 of the 2022 NFL season. Let me know what game y'all really enjoyed the most. There was plenty of good ones that we had, a lot of upsets. The Detroit Lions, they continue to just amaze us week after week after week, you know, steadily improving, especially after the halfway point in the season. The Cowboys, Almost got upset by the Texans, but biggest biggest key word in that is almost. They did not, so everybody chill out. Um, and the Eagles, they continue to dominate as they currently have the MVP frontrunner in Jalen Hurts. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure you also check out the preview episodes that we have coming out tomorrow as we have NFL Week 15. And we also have College Football Bowl, bowl, uh, bowl Week 1 or Bowl Season Week 1. I completely butchered that. But anyways, y'all, thank y'all so much for all the support. Make sure you stick around. Make sure you continue to listen as it truly means the world to me. And I will see y'all here in the next one. Peace, y'all.